0: the only mainstream radio broadcast brave enough to ask, is the Earth actually flat? I'm being told that no, no, it is not. That was an easy one. Thus concludes another thrilling episode of Two Girls. One, uh, Hang on, I'm also being told that while this is a simple fact, we need to talk about it for an hour. And now here are your co. Captains of the obvious,
1: Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Hey, everybody, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. In this here podcast, we talked to people behind different internet communities and posts that we found really interesting. But it all started a long time ago with a little show called Blogalogs, where Ali and I would take blog posts, believe it or not, and put them on stage. So we used the internet as a script. And for many, many years, we're performing in front of a live audience. From there, we had uh, a couple of other projects. One of them is called Two Girls, One Show, a web series where we started interviewing people behind internet posts that we found interesting. And that led to where we are today with this here podcast with The Daily Dot. So welcome. Hi, Ali. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hello. Hey. Uh, Will you spare us the air horns today, Matt? I don't know. I just want to put that out there right away.
2: Why would you Uh, instigate him by suggesting this? Don't put ideas in his head. I just want to get ahead of the issue, you know? Anyway. (laughs) No.
3: There's very very limited space on the soundboard. Are
2: you ahead of the curve, (laughs) Jess? Is that what you were just saying?
1: Allie, your brain. It's a wonder.
2: (laughs) It's not a wonder. But only we know what we're talking about. So do you want to tell them? (laughs) Yes. So I'm very excited about today's episode. And I think I say that every week, but I am excited every week. So it's not a lie. Um, so, So the three of us discovered a while ago the online community of flat earthers. I let that sink in for people who haven't heard of it. Oh God. Um to er- their
3: Earthers?
2: Yep, flat earthers. Like, they believe is that
3: like Werthers Candies? Earthers originals. Or er- there's originals. I wish
2: yeah. yeah, that would be that would be great. And reminds me of a web series Jen and I created in which uh, older gentlemen ate Werthers off of my back. Um anyway
1: <laughs> He
2: was with so chopsticks lovely. like it Shout was sushi. Out to Chiz and
1: Kit, who I'm sure we've mentioned. I love Chis and Kit. Oh, they're amazing. Times, two two yeah. guys we love. Yeah. They
2: yeah. are so brilliant. Anyway, so we discovered flat earthers, people who would think that the world is flat. Oh, God. And we, you know, discussed covering it on the podcast, but there was this dilemma we all had, which is that we don't necessarily want to give that viewpoint a platform. And for our longtime listeners, you may recall that we did do a conspiracy theory episode once, and it was kind of... Rough for us. We it was kind of I mean, messed think, up.
1: It was messed yeah. up. We we I still
2: debated feel, whether nightmares not, about that still. Yeah, I know. So we debated whether or not to release it, and then ultimately we put a disclaimer before it. So, anyways, we were we decided let's not. Well, do and I'm sorry. Before you earth.
3: proceed, I just want to give you guys credit because first of all, you are not uh, professional journalists, uh, but you went into that interview uh, with a you know a conspiracy theorist, a gentleman who is building a dating site for conspiracy theorists, and he spouted some some a lot of nonsense yeah. and you guys really pushed back and questioned him and uh did your due diligence and I was very proud I was proud of the episode and we published it in the context of hey, this is not us. That's but, crazy. Uh, it's yeah, crazy.
2: Matt, I yeah, like everything it was, it
1: was you well said. <laughs> I like everything you said, except that we're not professional journalists because I think actually us having a podcast makes us professional
2: journalists. I'm just kidding. I'm That's, kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, you, I mean, you might be right. nowadays <laughs> in, today's, in today's world, no. But no, we are not professional journalists. i just as bad as the truthers. No, we're
1: not, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, not we're, not. <laughs> yeah. we're not. Just trust us. we
2: We have <laughs> no skills everything. and no oh. training. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, there is... Is a documentary out on Netflix about flat earthers and it is called Behind the Curve which is why I joked that Jen is ahead of the curve. (laughs) So So smart. uh, Yes. So we decided this would be a way to tackle this online community by talking to the filmmakers behind this Netflix documentary. So we're very excited to have them join us today and discuss the flat earth community without necessarily having a flat earther come on and tell us why the earth is flat because spoiler alert. It's not.
3: <laughs> um, uh, can you prove that? I mean,
2: I haven't into outer space? Well, that's the craziest part, Matt. If you guys watch the documentary, uh, you know, they do experiments to prove that the Earth is flat and the experiments fail and then rather than accept that evidence, they continually say, well, there must be something wrong with our experiment, which is so wild to me. I
1: just like that the one thing the one guy was really hanging on to is that he could see the skyline of Seattle from where he was in Oregon and he was like, if I can see it, it's got to be flat. <laughs> like, I, just said that, that, I mean,
2: I'm, I know, I am shaking my head over here. I'm
1: so fascinated by how big the community is too and curious why now especially people are really uh, you know uh, latching into this so I, I think the filmmaker said some well, interesting now insights because yeah. the
2: you know, the internet allows these ideas to spread unfortunately but yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, one point that the documentary makes to just, you know, for all of you out there, definitely watch it. It's really interesting. It's also quite entertaining um, is that, you know, it's this is not limited to flat earth that very often in conjunction with this belief are a lot of other sort of anti-science beliefs, not saying that everybody who's a flat earther there is like an anti-vaxxer, for example, but a lot of these things tend to overlap. So that that's interesting to me as well.
2: Yeah, because I think once you decide that the government is lying, then just like everything collapses and, and who know you know, anything could be true, anything could be false and so it opens up this whole wormhole mm-hmm. But it really speaks to this idea that I think we've discussed before that, you know, what's problematic about the Internet is this erosion of expertise where it used to be PhDs, trust a PhD. And now it's like, no, anyone with a following is somehow an expert. I also really liked, I can't remember the name of it, but they named the opposite of imposter syndrome. So as you gain experience, (laughs) you keep feeling like, oh, I don't belong here. But if you have no experience, you feel like an expert. It's the the Dunning-Kruger
1: effect. Yes. Yeah.
2: Multiple people have brought that up to me recently. But I can't yeah. I still can't make Dunning Kruger stick in my brain. Yeah.
1: So if you don't have the experience or competence you like overly you make up for that by having a lot of confidence in your incompetence. <laughs> We see it a lot. So strange.
2: (laughs) I'm really excited to hear about the Flat Earthers' reactions to the documentary Mm -hmm. because I feel like they treated them kindly and respectfully during the filming. But, like, it's called Behind the Curve. You know what I mean? Like, hey, catch up. You know what I mean?
3: Right. But but the characters in the film are incredibly sympathetic. That was what was most powerful about the doc for me. Mm -hmm. I I liked most of the characters, like, as people. But then you just are shaking your head like, come on, man. You're not. Not an idiot like why are why are you like this, you know,
4: mm-hmm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the most interesting part is when they called them would-be scientists who just, you know, if, if we had led them in a different way at some point, because they're very into conducting these experiments, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that really struck me and what's relevant for the podcast, too, is to me, it's it's almost more of a community than anything else, right? Because it's like no matter how much evidence they receive to the contrary, once they're in that community, it's like they don't want to lose all their friends and leave the community. And so they ignore the evidence. And It's like almost more. Anyway, it's yeah. interesting.
1: When one part of your identity is like refuting something, if you right. go against that, you know, if you would, ex- <laughs> it's like so hard yep. to let go in this particular circumstance. Yeah. So yeah. How do we talk to them? How do we do it? I'm curious. Um, I expressed this in our Discord server. You guys should all go discord.gg 2g1p. I'm curious what the real-life interactions were like with these people um, and what the filmmakers will have to say about that. Because I know for you and me, yes, Ellie... Yes, we're getting like, the
2: behind-the-scenes scoop. Behind the, <laughs> scoop.
1: A behind the yeah. curve. Like when you and I uh, were so interested in bronies and then we attended BronyCon and like that just opened up my eyes entirely. I thought I understood what the phenomenon was. And then we spent time with 10,000 bronies and it was a totally different story. (laughs) So yeah, I'm just curious to know what their experience was, which we'll find out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. But we have to do trivia.
1: <laughs> yes, we do.
2: Why do you always I'm remind him that I we have to do trivia. trivia? I will never forget trivia. We got <laughs> cut to an ad. I spent,
3: I spent four to five hours on uh, today's trivia, so we, we need All to right. do it. I'm such a goody-two-shoes.
2: Wait, you spent four to five hours because I think that maybe your time management skills are off.
3: <laughs> I do a little research, then I do, then I do, you know, play some video games. You know, play a little ping pong. Come back yeah, to it's it. It's a work-life
2: balance. Yeah, that's not four <laughs> to five hours of trivia. <laughs> I thought you're. I was thinking maybe you went. Back in time, created the phenomenon, and then returned Listen, to conduct time trivia. Is, that's, time is
3: relative, and look, you can't prove time exists. Okay, so my perception of time—I
2: know I can and therefore is different
3: from yours. And who are you to judge?
2: I um, I actually, I'm a no timer. That's my community. Yeah, I just—we mm. decided time doesn't it's, exist, so we're, we're no timers,
1: <laughs> not old timers, <laughs> no timers. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> no timers. Time does not exist. Where is it going to start a fervent online community for no time? We got some
5: facts
3: too.
2: Stick around <laughs> no, to the end, and no we'll tell you. No time like now.
3: <laughs> I mean, look. Philosophically and scientifically, you're not wrong. Exactly. Mm, time, time is a relative concept.
2: Yeah, no. We've conducted several experiments. Yeah, there's, there's time does not exist.
3: Today's trivia is about. Let me, let me get my papers out here. Okay, after my four to five
1: hours worth.
3: Paper.
2: Of, of papers. <laughs> you got a printed paper, Freddie? You, pr- you. You, printed, you living in the '80s? I What's my, happening? Matt, like
1: faxed right? it to himself. <laughs> Slow. <laughs> when you flip pages Today, Matt Do you like lick your finger and do that thing Oh my god <laughs> I'm sorry Wh-
2: Why Is that a pet why peeve of yours people Did people we just hit upon something I think we did
1: I'm so sorry let's let Matt do understand. his trivia <laughs> I don't understand why Y'all people right? do Matt that imploded. What is wrong
3: with people <laughs> Like you're putting your saliva on every page Of my The book that I lent you it's like, here's why, a germ a sponge.
1: Thing?
5: Yeah,
2: Yeah. Um. they're just they're just marking their territory. I mean, that's why I pee on everything. All the papers. You lend me a buck, I pee on it.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. All right, we got a little f- uh, on a tangent. All right, sorry. That never happens. All right, who's ready for
3: today's trivia? <laughs>
1: I'm ready. No, never happens. Ah.
3: Today's trivia is about a little thing that I like to call the earth. Yeah. Perhaps you've heard okay. of it.
2: Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not that small, but... I mean... Go on.
3: Compared to the entire universe, it is but a speck of sand in an mm, infinite, I also on an infinite beach. I
2: in no size. I'm a no-timer and a no-sizer. Uh,
3: you're, you're not Go wrong. On. These are all relative concepts, and uh, I think you're freeing people from the constraints of uh, relativism through, through mm-hmm. your work as a no-timer, no-sizist. Thank you. Now, if you believe, quote, scientists and you know astronomers they will tell you that a single day on earth is 24 hours okay I think that's subject to debate, but that is the mainstream thinking on this. All right, you follow me?
0: Follow. Mm-hmm.
3: However, that day, 24 hours, was shortened by 1.8 microseconds. So that's about two millionths of a second. The day was shortened by, in 2011 by a single event. Something happened in 2011 that shortened the day. Earth Day by 1.8 microseconds. What happened in 2011 to make our days shorter? Are you ready for the answers? Yep. A. No. A huge... No, you're not ready?
2: No, I don't she's want time ready. to she's disappear. Ready. Oh, no, she's so sad. <laughs> I thought you were no-timer. You are a no-timer.
3: This doesn't matter <laughs> to you. It shouldn't Damn matter. It.
2: I'm going in my corner.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just just caused Allie an existential crisis.
2: All right, no. go on, go on.
3: A... A huge earthquake in Japan shifted the planet's mass so much that it made the Earth rotate faster. Choice B, a huge asteroid struck northern Oregon, adding significantly more mass and energy to the planet's rotation. Or C, scientists developed a more precise way to keep time using cesium atoms, and they realized that their current calculations of the Earth's rotation was off. By 1.8 microseconds, so they made an adjustment in how we measure the Earth's rotation. Again, your choices earthquake in Japan, asteroid in Oregon, or scientists uh, just changed time.
2: I'm going with C. This is so cool.
3: Okay, Alice picking C. Yeah, I'm gonna go with All C right. as well. Wow. Confidence.
1: Feels like a clear C.
2: It feels the least newsworthy. I feel like if something caused time to change, that would be more newsworthy. We might have heard about it. That's my theory. Okay.
1: Let me clarify. Yeah,
2: but if scientists are just like I doing their clarify, thing, I will clarify. This is yeah. not
3: causing a, a ripple in the time space continuum. This is just right. changing <laughs> how quickly the Earth rotates. Those are those are radically different scientific concepts. Gotcha. Still right. with C. But if an
2: external event caused us to realize that, you know, I just think uh, maybe I would have heard of it. Maybe not. I'm going okay. to see.
3: Okay. Two for C. We will find out the correct answer after the break.
2: And now a real personal
0: advertisement entitled Wanted to conceive child during totality eclipse in Oregon. From the number one website for meticulously planned parenthood, craigslist.org.
5: I am 40 years of age, Caucasian male from Europe. My heritage is strong and pure. My looks, instincts, knowledge, and strength is 100% pure and 100% Lethal. I am looking for a worthy female with strong genes, beauty, and smarts to join me to experience the totality eclipse in Oregon. Exact place not set. If we have chemistry, I would like for us to make love while the eclipse is happening. When totality occurs, we will have simultaneous orgasms, and we will conceive a child that will be on the next level of human evolution. We will make a love together with me and my penis directed towards the sun. Everything will be aligned in the local universe. Both of our cosmic orgasmic energy will be aligned with the planets. In a brief moment of ecstasy, we will understand everything and together create a new universe full of love. You must like cats. Drugs are okay. Nitrous oxide, while we climax and experience totality and conception is okay with me. Would you do it, Allie?
2: Would you do it? Maybe for the story.
1: Yeah, I thought so. Sounds (laughs) like Burning Man to me.
5: It kind of does.
2: No. I did not visit the orgy dome at Burning Man. I honestly...
1: (laughs) Everybody
2: at Burning Man is or a lot of people are talking about orgies and fucking and i'm just like uh showering is limited here no thanks (laughs) i'm not into that part i know it's a shock to all of our listeners but anyway (laughs) uh let's hear that
3: wait what's the dome you were talking about there's an orgy dome oh we heard about this good orgy dome yeah there's an
2: orgy dome at burning a dome
3: God, is it see through? Like you just—it's
2: <laughs> not see through. But my favorite yeah, part, yeah, it's like the
1: dome well, the on top part? of the flat Earth. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was saying. Was like yeah, at the, yeah. right. It's oh, the right. the flat yes, Earth. We dome. haven't even
2: gotten there yet. You're spoiling. You're spoiling. <laughs> I think we discussed the orgy dome at one point. That my favorite part was watching everybody in line to get in, I'd agree with it. just like with their guidebooks. Yes, <laughs> I think
3: I think if we had discussed the orgy dome, I would have remembered. Really? Okay.
2: Well. There's one at Burning Man. <laughs> I, I think, think we, we did. discussed it. <laughs> 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 All right. Matt, what's the trivia uh, answer? The trivia
3: answer. Yeah. Today's trivia is about the earth. Not the flat earth, but well, because it's the not, real earth. it's not a
2: thing. Got, okay, got it, got it.
3: Got you. Could I just say that I love... This documentary so much, and I, I want it might be my second favorite documentary of all time. Wait, seriously? Really?
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow, I mean, it's really good, but that's saying a lot. All right, what's your first?
3: Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. I wish everyone could see the head you know nod what? that not I'm a, doing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Matt. It's like uh, that wait, little emoji uh, thanks, with Ma- a hand up yeah, at their chin, really, like going. Hmm. That's really. Why is yeah. that's Really helpful. Thank you. I okay. thought it was good.
3: You, don't, you guys didn't okay. like that
2: one? okay <laughs> Please go in your corner.
3: Please oh, we liked it. <laughs>
2: but not for the same <laughs> reasons as <laughs> you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tell us the fucking trivia answer. You know I like to get trivia over with.
3: Yeah, I know. I feel, I feel you. In 2011, the duration of a day on Earth, which is normally 24 hours, was shortened by a singular event. The day on Earth was shortened by 1.8 microseconds. That's about two millionths of a second, uh, what happened? What went wrong in 2011 that shortened our day? A, a huge earthquake in Japan shifted the planet's mass so much that it made the earth rotate faster. B, an asteroid struck Oregon and added mass and energy to our rotation. Or C, scientists were tracking time more precisely using cesium atoms and they just uh, changed their measurement of the 24 hour cycle. You guys both went with C, that uh, science uh, science found
1: a way. C is for science. <laughs> Just kidding. C is for cesium. Uh, that is yes, is. That's correct. I don't know how no, to spell that. Okay.
2: Excellent. Thank you for that. Still don't okay. know what
1: it means. <laughs> C is for science. I
3: love it. One of one of Sesame it. Street's less lesser known it. songs.
2: Yeah, C is lesser for known <laughs> snippets. You can find it on YouTube. C is for science. It's totally something you would fucking find on YouTube. Okay.
3: The correct answer is A. An earthquake
2: oh, changed
3: the rotation of the
2: earth. That's terrifying. Turns out C is not for science.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Actually,
3: uh, yeah. I will say wow. we do measure time uh, using cesium atoms. They're the, the atoms that are used in an atomic clock. So when you're trying to determine the length of a second, you look to cesium. It's a very precise radioactive isotope or, or element. Uh, perhaps I'm speaking out of turn there. But I made that shit up. Because the correct answer was A, it was a big monster of an earthquake in 2011, a big headline event, uh, I think it was pretty disastrous, but it was so massive that it actually like shifted a, a sizable amount of the planet like closer in towards the core of the planet, and the scientist who was describing why this happened was saying, imagine a figure skater, and as she's spinning, she brings her arms uh, closer to her body, and that makes her spin faster, because her center of gravity is more towards the center, and she spins faster. Now, we're talking about 1.8 microseconds. This is an imperceptible amount of time on any scale, let alone 24 hours. So rest assured, Ali, like your perception of time has not been altered, but the way scientists measure it, like, yes, the the days are technically shorter since this earthquake in 2011.
1: That's fascinating. Also, just want to say, why is the figure gator got to be a girl? I just want to throw that in there.
3: (laughs) I'm just relaying the news.
2: You are so fucking gender normative, Matt. (laughs) You're not wrong. Yeah, no, no, that
1: that's really interesting and also scary. Like,
2: has anyone noticed that Matt will never tell me that I'm right? He'll just tell me I'm not wrong.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong, Allie. Like, so surprised. Actually, <laughs> I like that. Well, let's get into it. Uh, we're talking to the filmmakers today from Behind the Curve, a documentary about flat earthers. Their names are Daniel Clark, Caroline Clark, and Nick Andert. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. (laughs) Well, I think to kick us off, why don't you just let our listeners know uh, what role you had in making the film?
4: Sure. Uh, This is Daniel. I directed and shot a lot of the film. Uh, This is Nick. I edited and helped produce the film.
6: And this is Caroline and I helped produce the film as well.
7: Awesome. So
1: take us back. What inspired you to make this film?
7: Well, uh, we originally saw a Reddit thread where people were talking about their experiences with flat earthers in their lives. Um, like my coworker, my, uh, my cousin, something like that. And until that point, we had thought flat earthers were basically just trolling. We didn't think they seriously believe this. And it turned out that a lot of people do really believe it. And that piqued our interest, and we wanted to sort of dig into why and how somebody can believe something that flies in the face of so much evidence.
1: For our listeners who haven't had the benefit of seeing the film yet, would one of you mind just giving us a brief overview of what happens in it?
4: Sure. Uh, So Behind the Curve follows... Uh, several prominent people in the Flat Earth community, mainly YouTube uh, content creators who make Flat Earth content. And we follow them as they're preparing to uh, enter the first ever international Flat Earth conference. These people include YouTube Flat Earth celebrities, Mark Sargent, Patricia Steer, Bob Nodell, and Jaron Campanella. And along the way, we see insights into their life on who they are and what their daily experience is like. Also, as they do experiments and create models and have meetups and also sprinkled throughout the film are experts, whether they're psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, scientists, or um, science communicators explaining to us maybe why Flat Earth has become such a phenomenon and why people believe conspiracies in such a way that Flat Earth is not out of the realm of possibility.
2: So I was curious, in making the film... When did you decide kind of what angle you would take? Because I know in a documentary, you know, you don't know what's going to come up. I personally love the angle that came out at the end about how these people would have been scientists, perhaps, if they had been guided down a different path. So how did you decide to approach the topic?
4: Um, Right from the beginning, we knew we didn't want to make a movie that was... Talking about the specifics of Flat Earth. Because some of the criticism we've gotten has been, you know, like they didn't prove anything or they didn't talk about the different specific points. And I think that's.
2: Pretty sure it's round.
4: (laughs) Well, that's the approach we were taking. Like there's so much evidence that says what they believe isn't true, yet they still believe it. So, you know, we were really interested in why people can believe stuff like this, flat Earth being like the most extreme example of a provably false belief um, that these people still hold on to. So we wanted to go into the why. You know, what make what brings people to this belief and why do they hang on to it?
2: I think similar similar to our podcast, we always try to approach people with empathy. Um, But it's difficult, I think, or could be in the case of Flat Earth, where, you know, I think most of us just blatantly disagree. So I was wondering, what was your approach there in terms of showing them empathetically?
4: I think we all know people in our lives who are conspiracy theorists or have beliefs that are, you know, pretty extreme and
2: do we? Now I'm like wondering who in my life is a conspiracy yeah, you theorist. Do. Uh, ah! I don't know. Look at 10. All right. Okay, go on. <laughs> Definitely me. Well, well not we were- me,
1: it's Matt. <laughs> we were at
6: work one time talking about like while we were making this film and someone we worked with said they were a 9-11 truther. So like it's you never know until you bring it up and then they have to have the courage to admit it. You never know.
2: And then you're like, "Oh man, why did I bring that up?" <laughs> now I know this thing I don't want to know, know too much.
3: <laughs> and I'll, I'll do you one better, uh, and and I don't mean to offend anyone who who has uh, you know faith in the in the oh, room.
2: Matt's always gotta top I just everyone. Gotta, you
3: know, I just gotta offend everyone. But yeah. like you know, there are people oh, yeah. in your family who believe some
2: crazy, wacky things
3: about religious things that uh, you know are scientifically proven to not be true, but they still believe them. And I was very eager to to see this in this context. and The film answered a lot of questions about this, so it, it's funny. Fundamentalism. It feels like
4: fundamentalism to me.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, so so in so in approaching the film, you were like, all right, we all kind of know someone who has these beliefs and therefore
4: And therefore the empathetic approach came from that thought, which was, you know, the people that we know that are believe in something we don't. It's, they're not crazy. They're not completely other people. They're still our family members or our friends. And the same is true with the flat earth community. Like these people are parents or brothers or sisters, you know, like they're just regular people who believe in something that is not a widespread belief in this case. And so, they're just humans that need love and support and friendship, just like everybody else. And I think that's definitely where we came from And
6: I think we were like, how productive would it be to make a movie that just made fun of people? Yeah. And I think it took extra time and patience to be considerate and treat them with respect and kind of wonder how the conversation could move forward from there beyond just like, wow, they believe something crazy.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, And I mean, that's how we feel about this podcast, too. It's not productive or creative to just make fun of people and you, you learn a lot more when you don't do that. But there, there were two moments that stuck out at me, though, because you were so empathetic the whole time. And then there's so there's the moment when they go to NASA and they're complaining that nothing works. And then there's a shot where you guys zoom in on the start button and the fact that he never touched it.
6: I want to speak in defense of this
2: oh, yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> okay. Okay. because it's not making fun
6: of them. To me, it's a perfect it's a perfect metaphor of how you can look at something and feel so confident that you know how it works, you know. How, I see. Right. And so so with that, Mark is looking at the screen and saying, I know this is a touchscreen. I want to push, you know, I'm pushing the start button on the touchscreen and it's not working. Ha ha, NASA's stupid. And, and right next to Mark, I should say, is a green button that says start next to it that Daniel so perfectly captured. But it's not about like, ha ha, he's stupid. That's not it at all. It's that he didn't look around him you know, right to his left, there was this big start button that would have made this all clear. Uh, and instead, he thought he knew everything and thought he knew that NASA was broken and stupid. So it's more about that.
2: Yeah.
7: And on top of that, I think it would be dishonest at a certain point if we started cutting out moments like that, because it is revealing when they do things like that. And it does speak to their... um the way they approach their belief or the way they approach the world. And there's there's a line between we're not mocking them, but we're also not going to sterilize, you know, the film so that it doesn't contain anything that makes them look bad at all because that would be, you know, an editorial bias on the other side.
1: I am so curious to know what the response of the flat earth community has been to the documentary.
4: The response at first because we we first premiered it at Hot Docs in Toronto in April of last year and Mark and Patricia came up and they saw it and Mark liked it. Patricia was okay with it. She didn't love it, but she got it. And then we played at a bunch of different festivals since then and different people who were featured in the film have seen it and said things like, I didn't hate it or actually it was pretty good. Uh, so, it wasn't all positive, but it was you know more neutral to positive. And the same is true when it came out on iTunes and Amazon. Since the Netflix release, and I would say more so since people have started taking clips from the film and putting them on YouTube as proof against Flat Earthers, they really um, generally have turned against the film, calling it a hit piece and, you know, some kind of controlled opposition propaganda. So, I think the positivity that we felt has uh, dwindled in the Flat Earth community. However, Mark Sargent still approves of the film. He thinks that it's an accurate snapshot of what happened during that time Mm -hmm. and according to him, any publicity is good publicity for flat earth.
1: I definitely got that impression of him. I think it was when he was watching the eclipse and kind of talking to people about being a flat earther and they wouldn't agree, but he said, but they're going to go home and Google it. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) right. And you spent a lot of time with the people in the film, I would imagine. So, you know, did you develop friendships with anyone and have any of those lasted or not really?
4: Um, It's kind of tough when you're making a movie like this. Like, obviously, I got along with pretty much everybody we filmed, um, you know, able to eat meals with them and talk about things that were not Flat Earth. Uh, But since the film has come out, I wouldn't say, you know, we've necessarily maintained a closeness or anything like that. I think Mark still emails Caroline probably daily with (laughs) updates about Flat Earth. (laughs) Daily? Aside from that.
6: No, not quite daily. It depends. It depends like what's going on in the community at the time. So if there's a conference, maybe I'll get some more emails, but yeah, it depends on his his TV interviews. He likes to update me with that sort of stuff. Yeah,
4: just keeping us in the loop on what's going on.
6: Is he hoping for a sequel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure anyone <laughs> yeah. would participate in a sequel.
1: I don't know.
4: Yeah, we, we may have burned our bridges with the Flat Earth community. How
1: big is the community as far as you can tell?
7: We've been trying to figure that out, honestly. It's really tough because so many Flat Earthers who believe it but are, are unwilling to uh, say so publicly or... They'll participate online from time to time, but they're not really out there with it. So Mark says it's in the millions. That's probably a little optimistic on his part. Um, I mean, the absolute lowest, I would say, is is probably in the tens of thousands, and it could even be in the hundreds of thousands worldwide. Uh, but there's also a spectrum of like people who are really open to like conspiratorial beliefs and who find Flat Earth to be interesting, and like maybe they have some good points, and maybe there's something to it um i would count like people with that mindset in that number mm-hmm. um like the hardcore community who like believes this full throttle and they devote all their time to it i mean that might be as low as in the you know
4: hundreds i would say
7: yeah well, probably close to a thousand but well worldwide i would say over 1000 but there's a whole lot of people worldwide who definitely give this at least some degree of credence and that's uh the bigger number mm-hmm.
2: that's interesting cuz at a certain point, I sort of thought that most people who believe it are also fanatical about it. But I see your point that, you know, the fanatical ones are the ones who are in the documentary. Yeah.
1: Something that struck me, too, was that the demographic, it was racially diverse. It seemed to be diverse in age. Um I know there are a few things in the movie that might suggest some commonalities between people, you know, who are flat earthers, but with the idea that it would be generalizing, like, are there any commonalities? Like there was one segment where it was like three people in a row talking about how they're going through divorces, for example, or something like that, where it's like people in a moment of change or something like that. Did anything pop out at you? Uh,
4: One thing that is not common, and I want to dispel this just because I think it's important, is that cats have nothing to do with flat earth. (laughs) (laughs) I like cats, and there is a lot of cats. And if a cat was doing something cute, I was gonna
7: put the cat shot in the movie. So, yeah, that's just. Let the truth you be known. known. Um, but,
3: but putting it on the cover of the DVD was a little much, guys. <laughs> I just want to say it's a little over the top. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just Wait,
2: kidding. DVD? Who are you, man? That's how I watched it. I
3: don't know.
7: I got a presser.
2: Matt is living in the 80s. You were talking about faxing earlier. Now we're at DVDs. You're moving up.
7: But yeah, the answer to answer the question, I think we expected um, like a fundamental religious belief to be the most common commonality because uh, we expected lots of this to be religiously motivated. And we were kind of surprised that that wasn't necessarily the case. There is a lot of that. But the biggest predictor of whether or not somebody believes in the Flat Earth is how far they've gone down the rabbit hole of any other conspiracies. So you have to have accepted such a wide breadth of conspiracies to even consider Flat Earth. So everyone who is involved in Flat Earth, especially hardcore, is in the conspiracy community. And I do think that there's some degree of truth to the fact that a lot of people who come to Flat Earth are people who are sort of in search of a voice or a community or an identity, because I think Flat Earth gives them that,
4: I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's very much based on your susceptibility to conspiracy thinking. And there are a lot of different studies on that. So one of the um, hypotheses is that it's a lack of control. You know, people who maybe lack control in their lives are looking for a way to kind of make sense of the world. Uh, conspiracy is a good way to organize that similar to religion. So yeah, it's, it's not definitive. And there's, no, uh, there's nothing you can point at on everybody and say this is the same.
2: So would you say that flat Earth is not a gateway drug, but it is an ending point. So if you're involved in other conspiracy theories, you kind of end up a flatter Absolutely.
7: 9-11 seems to be the gateway conspiracy in our experience. Like everyone. Oh, 9-11
2: is a gateway drug. Okay. Cool.
7: Everyone gets into it from nine eleven, and then ah. they go down the down the rabbit hole, and they end up at flat earth. Flat
3: earth is the end point because it's the whole earth, mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> right? And honestly, it like is. it's everything else is is meant to distract us along the way so we don't figure out uh, the truth of the flat earth.
3: This was my burning question going into the dog, and and I, because we're at this moment in the conversation, I have to I have to ask or interject. Like when you talk about other conspiracies, like nine uh, eleven truthers or anti vax, there is a I don't want to say the word plausible. That's the, that's the wrong word. But there is a sensical, like, follow the money. Like, Big Pharma wants to keep us sick and poison us. There is some, like, narrative that makes some sense in, like, a fictional conspiracy movie world.
7: You heard it here, conspiracy theorist? <laughs> yeah, the, the motivations are at least more, uh, the, the the motivations would be clearer to cover something like, else. Like, up, if right? you made
3: a movie yeah. about it, there would be a villain twisting his mustache, like, cashing checks, and it would make some sense. But, like... Like, who is profiting
7: Matt, from?
2: They invented gravity <laughs> to keep us down.
7: <laughs> yeah, I like that, Alex. That's a pretty good one. That makes more sense than a lot of the ones I've heard. You're it's welcome. <laughs>
3: and I'm sure this was the question you had too going in. And and, and I want to say the film it really answered it for me, uh, which was very satisfying. So maybe you could talk a little bit about like who, who is the villain in the in the film? People just say like the government has constructed right. a dome over the earth so that no one will know the truth, and it's like
4: why? A lot of people blame very different groups. So, and there's a section in the film where it's like, you know, it's uh, the Vatican, the Jews, the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, Satanists, Satanists, Christians, everybody. So, when you're naming everybody, that that means you have no idea. (laughs) And then there's a further step where this, this this one guy in the film says, if you know their name, they're just a front. You don't even know, there's someone even bigger behind them. Like people talk, talk about the Masons but then there are other people who say in the community that the Masons are just, you know, a shadow group that we point the blame at but really there's this other group you've never even heard of that's way worse and you, the people behind that are way worse. So, I think the pointing the finger at the groups is super easy because you don't have to prove any of it. You just say, well, it's the Vatican or it's the Jesuits or whatever and it's like, well, sure. <laughs> but but it's even less about groups What's the, the reason, reason the right, motivation the, for keeping yeah. us in the dark that's the, the one that the reason got me. um well there are a couple different reasons that we've experienced and one is um it's it's actually um atheists which is kind of ironic if it's the Jesuits but mm-hmm. atheists kind of don't want to or the governments let's just say quote unquote the governments don't want us to know about the earth being flat because we all thought it was round and that helped Disprove creation and God, and if the Earth is flat and there's a dome covering it, then it had to have been created for a reason, and therefore God exists. And the governments don't want us to think that God exists, what? (laughs) Because okay, because Because they 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 would would have less power. Because they're satanists.
3: Things
7: there. Another one I've heard actually that's actually pretty interesting. This comes from the Infinite Plane people. This actually is slightly more cogent they say that there are secret uh continents outside of antarctica uh which is an ice wall ring in their model and um the rich and famous get to enjoy these utopian secret continents and they're trying to keep us from discovering them <laughs> all right so, i'm on board yeah. i'm awesome. on board i'm, I'm could missed. you
1: explain to our listeners what the infinite plane oh,
7: is
2: yeah 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 the, the models in general
7: caroline do you want to do it
2: Why would I want to do that? (laughs) Sorry,
1: Caroline.
7: Caroline is secretly an infinite plane believer. I didn't want to out her, but like.
6: mm. No, Nick, you're an expert at flat Earth models.
7: (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Uh, So uh, the flat Earth models are usually um, a projection of the Earth looking from the top down that sort of spreads the uh, Antarctica as I said, as a ring surrounding the Earth. Uh, So the Northern Hemisphere looks pretty normal. The Southern Hemisphere looks real fucked up. Uh, And the uh, dome people believe that that outside of that ice wall is nothing or who knows, but like, there's a dome covering the whole Earth, starting at the ice wall, and we're enclosed. The infinite plane people believe there's no dome and that uh, land just goes on forever outside of Antarctica, but we can't access it because the ice wall is keeping us out and there could be other earths or there could be you know other continents or something and they think that the dome model is a uh fake flat earth model that other people have come up with uh to dissuade people from looking for these other continents
4: (laughs) yeah so the infinite plane is kind of like a flat universe so it goes on forever And nobody knows what's out there.
7: (laughs) I
1: am so overwhelmed by that. But I do want to say one thing I really liked about the film was that man with the long hair who made those models. (laughs) And that great sequence with the music playing and him making. I mean, that was really some craftsmanship. And he was awesome.
2: (laughs) So uh, I was also reading (laughs) online. This was not in the documentary, but that there are some people that want to reconcile. There are flat earthers that want to reconcile this theory with astronomy. And so they've created a model where the Earth is flat, but it's on an ice globe.
4: Huh. So we're just on a much bigger globe? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: (laughs) This is literally
3: the Middle Ages. We're like, we're not sure how the astronomy works. So just throw a fucking turtle underneath the Earth and
2: let's go with that. There's a turtle. (laughs) That's definitely right anyway the why did we get there did we find one Uh, well (laughs) it was just it was just the jews
4: (laughs) there is no clear why it's just (laughs) kind of like a vague they want to control us it's same thing with like you know why would the government fake that vaccines are necessary it's like a lot of common answers are they want to just control us and inject us with vaccines that make us more susceptible to control it's the same concept as fluoridation of water it's like the government is putting fluoride in the water, but it's not because they want to control you. It's because they want your teeth not to fall out. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: a that's a better analogy. Like the vax thing always strikes me as like people want to make money selling this product or, you know, pushing this product. So there there's a money trail. But the fluoride thing is, is more analogous. I like that.
1: Oh, there's a money trail with fluoride, Matt. Big fluoride. Really?
3: I don't know. All right. Send, send, send me a link. <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say there's a money trail with with the globe.
4: No I don't know Big
2: anyway, let's talk about no <laughs> uh, let's talk about how, in the movie, they would do involved experiments proving that the earth is flat, and when their experiments failed and they proved that the earth is round, they would then discard the experiments. So can you talk a little bit more about you know I know you interview psychologists and things like that in the film, but a little bit more about like why they are refuting their own evidence when we
6: were doing research on on what subjects to film with we found out that there were people who were doing scientific experiments to determine the shape of the earth that was something that was really interesting to us because we thought, okay, like if they go out there, they, they're using science, they're using the scientific method, either way they're gonna get a result and they're gonna have to address that. And so when we started following these scientific experiments and the experiments weren't going the way they thought they would, meaning they weren't proving a flat result, it became clear to us even more that this film was not about whether or not the earth is flat. This film was about belief and how, when you have a belief, um, such as the shape of the earth, you will do anything you can to try and make that belief be true. So maybe Nick or Daniel can take this conversation further with how they adjusted the results in their experiment or adjusted the experiment itself to get the result they wanted.
7: Yeah, so a core tenant of you know using the scientific method is the concept of falsifiability. So Bob got most of the way there. He set up with the gyroscope. So in the film, there's an experiment where uh, a gyroscope should process 15 degrees per hour if the Earth is rotating. Bob tells us about an experiment where somebody in the community purchased an extremely expensive ring laser gyroscope that's very precise, and they expected it not to process, and they expected that to prove that the Earth is not rotating. So he has this hypothesis. Uh, He has what the results will show. If it processes, Earth's rotating. If it doesn't, it's not surprise they pick up 15 degrees per hour and his immediate response is to try to isolate that like control for some variables which is still a good response like okay well let's try to put it in um, basically a faraday cage and see if it's still getting that still is and then when he runs out of variables to control for and he basically has that result his own hypothesis says that he should accept that the earth is rotating but he doesn't and that's where he sort of falls off a ledge of falsifiability. He doesn't allow his belief to be falsifiable. And no matter what result that experiment gave him, he was always going to believe the earth was flat. So instead of accepting that his belief's been proven wrong, you have to construct a whole nother level of like fake science to uh, justify this result. So he brings in this concept of the ether, which was disproven in the 19th century. Einstein's theories of relativity basically accounted for there being no ether. And he's now using this concept of the ether is like this entire new constructive framework to say, "Well, this explains why I'm getting these results." So they're complicating basically the world far more than it needs to be to explain away everything, which is in opposition to the concept of Occam's razor, where the simplest answer is usually correct. So they can always find some level to get where they want to go.
4: The thing that was frustrating for for me to see in a lot of these tests were there weren't clear criteria. I mean there there were cr- clear criteria of if this does this, then the earth is flat. If this does this, the earth is round. But it's kind of like when you are uh, when you say like, all right, I'm going to flip a coin and heads I do this, he- tails I do that. And then you really want to do that. So, you keep flipping the coin till you get the right answer that you wanted to do. And that was frustrating to Cease because they would Say, like, if it's this, it's flat. If it's this, it's round. And when they got the round result, they would say, well, let me try it again. And they would keep doing that and not accept the answers that were provided for them. And it was just frustrating to see.
2: Did you delve more into why? Or is it just kind of what I think Carolyn was saying earlier, where it's basically like religion? Like, they, um, it's your belief yeah, I would say it's kind that. of
7: religious. Well, I think it's, it's sort of what uh, gets talked about at the end of the movie, like, why somebody has a hard time leaving flat earth. And I think that's largely- That was so uh, interesting because that in- was
2: that was such a cult answer. Yeah.
7: Yeah. And I mean, it kind of is, honestly, but it's this concept of identity where if you've built your identity around this belief, because this belief grants you some sort of validation, right? You have this secret knowledge, these people doing the experiments in particular, like you have some sort of notoriety in this community uh, and respect, like fighting this good fight, you have secret knowledge, you- have celebrity status, that's a lot to give up and basically admit like, oh, we were wrong this whole time. And, you know, in the eyes of most of the world, we were quite embarrassingly wrong about this very obvious thing. You're giving up a lot to go to a world where suddenly you don't look so great. So it's very important to try to find any justification to cling on to that belief, because if you lose that, then you lose a lot.
4: I also want to point out that this is not a conscious decision, usually. I mean it's it's most often deep within our subconscious that we're making these choices to not take in information that would be counter to who we are, or who how we identify ourselves.
1: I think it's important to think about how to talk to the flat earthers and present, you know evidence uh, that would support that the earth is round. But I, as some of the scientists in the film talked about, like how do you? start to have these conversations without pushing somebody into a corner and getting them defensive. So was there any insight, you know, think, from the documentary on how to you know keep these people engaged instead of pushing them away?
7: Yeah. Um, one of the things that's interesting in the aftermath of the film is that one of the scientists in the film, Spiros, um, he actually has gone on to two separate flat earth hangouts. And I hear he might be actually conducting some experiments with them. And he's not, you know, changing anyone's minds at least right off the bat with this right like they're still flat earthers and they're probably going to be for a while and a lot of people have this notion that by you know just arguing in an empathetic way or that we're trying to say that just like arguing in a more empathetic way online is a way that's actually going to change people's minds like it's not going to be an immediate thing and in most cases at least what it does um to talk to somebody in a way where instead of being like oh you're dumb for believing this but i see where you're coming from i understand why you might think this but let's talk about the evidence is that it allows them to not feel attacked and to put, get put on the defensive right away and if it's somebody in particular from the scientific community reaching out to them that's enormously valuable because it starts to let them see a scientific figure as just a normal person and it makes them more likely to accept evidence from them because one of the big things conspiracy communities do is they sort of other people and any if you don't know anyone from this community it's really easy to assign some malicious intent to them. They're all evil. And I can't take anything they say to be true because they're all just trying to trick us. But then when you meet somebody and they're genuine and they're honestly just trying to have a conversation with you, it's much easier to see like, oh, well, there's something wrong with them. Maybe they have something to say that I should listen to.
2: Did you meet or hear of any ex-members? So people that were flat earthers and then came back around based on the evidence?
4: We... Did not until afterward.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we
4: did afterwards. Time so to go Wah-wah. back
2: to my corner, uh, <laughs> Yeah.
4: Yeah, we we met a few people after after the fact, and it's kind of like anything. Like you start having a little bit of doubt, and uh, we just talked to somebody recently about this, and there's a moment in the car with Patricia where she questions her own beliefs, and she's like, maybe I'm just like all these other cons- Like, am I making up a conspiracy? But of course, I'm not. She immediately corrects herself. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, um, best moment in the film. Thank you. Um, But we were just talking to someone about that. And he's like, it's very possible that that is a seed that's going to continue to grow in the back of her mind. Mm. And eventually, she's going to come around. Because Mm -hmm. the fact that she was able to verbalize that and really take it and look at herself is kind of the first step to realizing that maybe... You're not as correct as you think you are.
3: Yeah, it's always a long process. Yeah. She, she verbalized 90% of it. Like she was so close to the finish line, then said, nope. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. And I,
7: yeah, I think that's powerful.
2: That's gotta be so hard too when she has such a YouTube presence around Flat Earth. Yeah, cause
7: like if you show any doubt in public, like I mean, your entire fan base is, they immediately attack you and they say, You know, like, oh, you've been fake this whole time. You're just putting the Flat Earth community to, like, steer us the wrong direction, pun intended, because that's what they actually believe a lot of people that she's been put there to do, uh, or any other Flat Earther who they disagree with, because these conspiratorial communities sort of start to eat their own due to their sort of natural Mm -hmm. paranoia. If you let that, like, public image of certainty slip for even just a second, then suddenly you're one of the bad guys.
2: It's so interesting because it's almost more of a community than anything else. I mean, I mean, really, it's so similar to as I was just saying. Everything you're saying reminds me of everything you read about cults. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I, I have this burning question. I don't know. Maybe it's not a question. Maybe it's an observation. But like, as Ali and Jen have said, the show is about and began with internet communities, and still is about internet communities and this idea that hey, I'm a dude who really loves My Little Pony. Am I a weird? Then you go on the internet and you find that thousands of other people are just like you and you find your people and everything is great and, and you kind of realize who you are. And that is exactly what is happening here, but on the flip side, on the dark side of misinformation. Yeah. And and someone in our Discord server, we had a wonderful discussion in our Discord server uh, with listeners, Chess, who uh, has a podcast on our network. and. Um, is a NASA engineer. He found it very difficult to watch the documentary because he was so. Uh, it gave him a lot of angst, but he made a point that you could go on YouTube and just look at NASA videos and be like, hmm, I want to see a video about the moon or asteroids. And then in the suggestion box next to that video from NASA is a flat earth video. And and we're living in a time oh, where- Oh, well,
2: that's such a problem. That's what I mean. Yeah. Now, the, the
3: reason this community has has blossomed, <laughs> I imagine, is because we're living in a world where you're, you're literally two clicks away from Misinformation. If you held this belief or or were susceptible to this belief 50 years ago, there was no one in your neighborhood who would probably be like minded. And now you're two clicks away from that. And that's my read on what is happening here. What do you guys think?
7: Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, actually how we've put it too in the past. Like somebody in your community would probably dissuade you from this in the past. But now the internet's enabled confirmation bias to such a degree that you don't have to look for disconfirming information now. You don't have to hear it if you don't want to. And like humans don't have this natural inclination to look for disconfirming information. You can go on to YouTube, you can say flat earth sounds interesting. I have a natural distrust of authority in the first place. I want to hear what all these other people think. And if you have questions about it, you'll just keep seeking their answers and hearing their what passes for evidence, but seems like good evidence. And you're not gonna search out all the people who are telling you why that's wrong. YouTube in particular has enabled this with their algorithm where it just keeps putting you in this feedback loop of similar content. Now they're starting to change that though, Um, or hopefully at least, Uh, they've announced that they're gonna recommend conspiracy videos less. So if that bears out, then that's a good thing, I think.
2: Thanks, YouTube, for not suggesting conspiracy theories. Well done. <laughs> uh, are there other things that you suggest? Like, I mean, should we be teaching children in schools how to seek out disconfirmation bias, as you mentioned? Are there other tactics we could, that people should be looking into? Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, it's interesting you mentioned that.
6: So when the, when the psychologists and psychiatrists in our film use terms like confirmation bias and Dunning-Kruger... A lot of viewers think that we're kind of like diagnosing the flat earthers. And I think we're trying to make it clear that these are human behaviors. And so it's interesting that you don't hear about these terms as a human. You only hear them if you study psychology or if we're talking about flat earthers. But really, they're words that apply to all of us. They're how the human brain works. And so absolutely, we should be teaching these things in school more, especially when you have the internet and you can find anything you want to, anything that confirms what you are trying to find or trying to believe. So internet literacy is huge. It's something we should absolutely be teaching in school. And and I, I feel like I kind of got that with my schooling, like, you know, finding... Um sources that you're able to use. And, you know, Wikipedia never counted as a source and that sort of thing. So I think there are good efforts, you know, with like the librarians in the school teaching you how to use a database and that sort of thing. But internet literacy is a huge asset nowadays that I think would help dispel some of these conspiracy theories.
4: Yeah. And to go off what you kind of were touching at was there are a lot of things that everybody does, like implicit bias, uh, confirmation bias, and, and all these different things that knowing that they exist, diminish their effects. Like just, just the knowledge of its existence helps okay. you. And it is kind of crazy that you have to take a, a psychology course just to learn about it. Um, and that's not a required thing for anybody. <laughs> and so I remember, and- forgive me to go back to the vice presidential debates of 2016. <laughs> but I remember there was some, uh Kane said something a lo- about implicit bias. And Mike Pence just stood back and he was like, because implicit bias, you know, everybody's going to be biased against someone else just without even knowing it. And it's a proven thing. And it's just something that exists in our society. And Mike Pence was offended (laughs) at the thought that he could be labeled as biased. He's like, I am not biased in any way. Spoken like a true white man. Well, everybody is, but yeah. (laughs) And and so like that kind of thing, like if people just knew that, oh yeah, implicit bias is a very real thing that we should acknowledge. And by acknowledging it, we completely change its control on our lives or its impact on our lives. I think we should just (laughs) talk about it a little bit. It doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah.
7: And one more thing too, like sort of a bigger picture thing, but I think there's a real uh, strong discouragement people have to admit that they're wrong. Like it's a really difficult thing to do. And I think we're particularly in a culture where people, if they admit they're wrong, you know, they get completely dunked on a lot of the times, which is, you know, oftentimes a right response, but at the same time can be counterproductive to opening other people up to admit that they're wrong or to have some sort of growth. And I think if we can, as a society, I don't know how the hell to do this. This is like very big picture, but, you know, make it more uh, okay to say, yeah, what I believed before this was totally wrong. It might've been totally fucked up, but at the same time, recognize that moving past that is a good thing.
6: Yeah, no, that's a good thought. I'm into it. Right, we're shaming people when they're wrong for being dumb, and I think if, if that's why with this movie we didn't want to have that tone of snarkiness yeah. or, or sarcasm or whatever that it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to ask questions and work through things together versus um, being on different sides and and you know throwing comebacks and that sort of thing back and forth. So it's, that's why um, Spiros in our film says, "Let's explore together." Or no, that's uh, Per Aspen, sorry, I think.
3: One of the film's strongest assets is that you guys are so silent, and the film almost does not have a point of view in a good way, I think. Um, You guys are just flies on the wall, and you let the flat earthers and the experimenters foil themselves, as we've discussed. Their experiments fail, they miss the start button. Um, They just talk and talk and talk, and then they kind of look... Ridiculous, without you ever saying anything verbally or saying anything as filmmakers, you know, in the edit. Perhaps you are editing it in a way that is uh, that would refute my point, but I appreciated your silence in the movie. Um, It spoke volumes.
7: Thanks. That's a style that I think all three of us appreciate. Those of a docs, I think we like. Well, I don't know if I can speak for both of you, but like those of a docs, I think we like the most, and. I can say I personally at least have a general distaste for docs to take too strong of a point of view as opposed to just letting the argument play out or letting the narrative play out. I think that's more satisfying.
4: Yeah, but I, I would say that our film does come from the point of view that the earth is not flat.
2: He, just to be clear <laughs> We all here believe that it's Well, that well, <laughs>
4: would be dishonest if didn't. Like we, we <laughs> hear them out they We're, like, we we're not out.
3: sure about the shape So we're gonna yeah. figure this out No
4: that's like Logan Paul's thing oh. um. <laughs> But yeah, we we definitely come from that perspective. And we made the movie about the people more so than the opinions or the experiments or anything like that. So we definitely wanted them to, to tell us what they think. But I mean, that's why we have this like psychiatrist and the scientist is because like we wanted to make sure this wasn't just a platform for unchecked claims. Yeah,
7: because that's important, too, to not let misinformation spread.
4: Because actually, it's really funny. We talked about confirmation bias a second ago. But what's really interesting to me is the amount of people who watch behind the curve and then say like, oh, flat earthers are complete idiots. I'm nothing like that. And I think that's exactly what they wanted to see going into the film. And it's exactly what they got coming out of the film, because that's all they were willing to accept when I think a lot of other people saw the movie and like, wow, this changed my perception.
7: Oh, God, I saw a Twitter thread, I think just yesterday or two days ago, it was a some popular conservative commentator, I think. And they were, you know, saying they they seem to be enjoying the film. But and then at the end, they were like, Oh, and now they're getting to the part where they can compare climate change deniers to flat earthers because like we're nothing like them. And it was disheartening because, you know, one of the points of the film is to get you to take a hard look at your own beliefs and see exactly in what way you're like them, which is a difficult thing to do. And obviously it's not going to happen with everyone who watches it. But yeah, it, it was ironic that there was a bunch of people in that Twitter thread who were saying like, yeah, like my belief that climate change isn't real. is nothing like their belief in the flat earth. And then there was another person who was like, yeah, it's like people who think evolution is real. They're the ones who are really like the flat earthers. And it's just like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. is that what you took away from this? And yeah. that's, that doesn't make me feel good, but yeah. that's what people do. <laughs>
2: they make me feel shitty. That's what yeah, people so it's do. It's interesting
4: to see how that plays out. <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I have another question. I'm sure there are a ton of scenes that you were like, oh, we got to get this in, but we can't. Can you tell us about some of the deleted scenes that didn't make it in?
4: Sure. Caroline, you want to talk about your favorite scene?
6: <laughs> I do have a favorite. But I what I was actually going to bring up is I was reminded yesterday of we used to kind of examine Patricia's internet presence a little bit more in the film and that she gets bullied really aggressively and in an unquestionably different way than a lot of other people um who are flattered because she's a woman right and so so there we had a conversation about this while we were editing like she she is treated differently like there's just no question about the types of insults as well as the amount of them so that's something I wish we could have explored a little more, but I'm just kind of yeah, left it on the too. floor as they say.
2: But Well, mm-hmm. if it makes you feel any better, I definitely got that. Okay, good. From what's present. Yeah. With the Patricia and like is she sent by the CIA because her the her name is has cia in it i mean it's like what i mean i know what you're saying though that they're probably she probably gets like a lot of violent um threats and things like that right and like things about her physical appearance that it's just you know things that
6: are irrelevant that a lot of women experience online so but it, it was interesting to see within the flat earth community as well because part of what we loved about patricia was that she was a woman and that women do exist in this community and we wanted to show that as well um but they they are treated differently.
5: We've
2: experienced it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I picked up on that because sure. I'm a woman and I'm so overly aware of it, but yeah, <laughs> I know it too well. <laughs> um, were there any other deleted scenes that you wanted to mention? I know we're going a little long, but I'd love to hear. Uh,
7: One of my favorite moments that's not in the film is uh, when we were talking to Nathan, who's the guy who's bouncing golf balls off hammers near the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Um, How could we forget? There (laughs) is a part, right? There is a moment where he just starts going off about uh, how many 666s there are in scientific constants, uh, which was a pretty breathtaking scene. I enjoyed that scene quite a bit. It was, you know, a little long to include in that scene. It just... We wow. could we could have let Nathan talk for hours, yeah. but uh, I, I thought that was kind of fun. So
6: one of my favorites is this. There was a meetup that we we cut out of the film, but there's a guy there, and he's in Texas, and he says, I, "I grew up around the around NASA, and you know, I came up with this dry shampoo, this powder that you put in your hair, and I thought, wow, that'd be good for astronauts, and so I sent it to NASA, and I never heard back, and that's when I first knew, and I was like, <laughs> what? Like you're, you can't mail powders to NASA. What are you doing?
2: <laughs> and so that's when he knew there was something wrong with NASA Uh
6: huh.
2: <laughs> it must be tricky because you In a way oh. you want to present this community as logical Because they're, you know, as we've been saying You don't want to present them as crazy But then they do say some things that are a little crazy So I, I don't know, was there a, an ongoing kind of battle In what to include in, or not include based on that line of thought?
7: There were things yeah. we chose not to include because it would feel like too either mean spirited or too. Um, yeah, th- there's some footage in particular of certain people almost kind of losing it online um, in videos. And there was a discussion, I guess, about whether there is value to showing that, to showing sort of the depths of paranoia that you can go to versus the value of does this feel like we're being too personal about this particular person's mental state and is that getting too exploitative so we we struggled with that a couple times and we generally erred on the side of there's plenty here that speaks to the psychology of this community without going into the more exploitative moments so we tried to stay away from that if we could in
6: addition though there were also like there's a religious component to some members of flat earth and that was also something we just um A, we didn't experience with our particular subjects, but it is a part of some flat earthers' lives. And so we just kind of didn't include that, um, even though it can be a big influence on some flat earthers.
2: Well, I have one final question, which is there's a part of me that thinks we should just ignore this. You know, these fringe ideas that are detrimental and unhealthy, we should just ignore them. So I was wondering if you could wrap it up by telling us why is this important and why should people watch the documentary?
4: Um, I, I will say that sometimes not ignoring it gives it a lot of equal weight. And I think the important thing is, if you're going to address it, make sure it's addressed in context and not as like a, quote unquote, other side of the argument. Because I think that's where it gets a lot of its momentum is, you know, when people talk about climate change and climate denial, they bring on a scientist. And, and this is where John Oliver did a really great thing where he brought out the 98 scientists versus the two that didn't think that climate change was man-made. And I think that sort of framing really helps have the discussion. As far as addressing it at all, I think you don't necessarily need to address flat earth, but the hope is that you address other issues that are more pressing and are more uh, affecting people's lives. You have to be able to approach that topic in the same way you'd approach a flat earther, because these people are not going to change just because you present them with a published article that disputes their belief.
7: Yeah, I would say that I think the value in looking at Flat Earth in particular is the fact that this trend in anti-intellectualism science denialism, conspiratorial thinking. It's a trend because of the conditions of like the internet enabling confirmation bias and stuff like that. So it's going to keep building regardless of the oxygen it has in the media. And it's really valuable to, to examine the underlying reasons why that's actually happening so that that can be addressed. And I think flat earth is a good vehicle to do that because flat earth is something that most people can look at and they can see where the argument falls apart pretty quickly. It's easily falsifiable and it allows you to look at these sort of mental tricks that be, or mental gymnastics that people go through on flat Earth pretty objectively, and then maybe allows you to see where that applies to other levels of conspiratorial thinking that are maybe more widespread and maybe more harmful. Anti-vaxing being a huge one. So that's why we thought it was valuable.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. We all watched. Wait, we the can't go yet. We can't, no, we can't. we why? can't. Go what yet. are we doing? What no, are we? I, ha- do?
3: I have. I have to ask the final question this is kind of an exclusive like 2g one piece scoop for yes. for you guys here's the question are you all government agents
2: oh, right,
3: right. uh contracted to make this film to discredit the flat earth movement
4: no comment. No, but if we were, how much should we ask for? <laughs>
7: <laughs> it's a
4: lucrative contract.
2: Yeah.
7: If I'm not getting benefits, would you think that that's something I should complain about? <laughs> uh, just, in, just in abstract. Listen,
2: what, Jen and I are artists. What are benefits? I don't know. I can't answer that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you Carol Caroline. so much. Everyone <laughs> go watch the documentary. Thank
4: you very much. Thanks. Well, I
1: learned some things <laughs> for sure. Actually, I was really heartened sort of the three things that they pointed out that we could all do better at, tools that we could think about using. Um, Ali, you asked a really great question about that. One was around internet literacy, which obviously is very, very important for everyone. Um, learning about our biases, I... Loved hearing that because that's something I'm definitely personally interested in, and I know Ali, you are too. Um, and then the idea of admitting that we're wrong and not having shame around that, having a growth mindset—that uh, all just feels right <laughs> um, for all of us, and like couldn't hurt anyone. It's all just—all of those are really, really solid ideas. So I'm, that's what I'm definitely
2: taking away. And also, watch out for the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: girl <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and the jesuits and the satanists yeah and everybody <laughs> yeah yeah remember Ellie, that time we walked into a freemason temple in midtown do you remember yes. that yeah ali yeah, the door the door was open and we just went in <laughs> we ran amok a little bit we did we did we did we were that nobody stopped us i don't know maybe well
2: you know the they temple? want you to
3: come in yeah to, to convert and never you, never
2: leave. Oh, you exactly. know what I really want to do? Apparently, in LA, you can go to the Church of Scientology and there's free brunch on Sundays, and then they try to convert <laughs> you. I'm definitely gonna go and report back.
1: Please, please do. I mean, free brunch.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the yeah. better be bacon. Scientologists are cool with bacon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, I'm there. I'm gonna be down yeah. for brunch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's like When someone really admits That they're wrong It's so beautiful Like I'm not gonna Name names But Jen you know the story One of my very good friends When I first met him Like he was drunk And he told me this Like amazing story Where he's like The way he told it Was so spectacular But he was like Yeah I grew up Believing that homosexuality Was wrong Like that's what I was taught And that's what I believe Forever and ever And I think He has a relative Who's a minister And he said Then I met This mutual friend of ours And he's gay And he cooked for us And he played piano And I just thought there is nothing wrong with this man. And then that changed his mind. And it was just like the most beautiful thing that he shared this story. And I also feel like a lot of people rewrite history where they're like, oh, I never thought that. I never thought that.
3: Yeah, for sure. It was like so
2: beautiful for him to say, like, this is what I used to think, you know, because it makes sense if that's how you're raised. Like, that's what you think. And that he, you know, then met someone. And I think it's, it's all about meeting someone and then just totally like had the awareness and open-mindedness to be like no this this doesn't add up <laughs> Yeah. so yeah, yeah but most people don't do that
3: well this is such a weird case because you hear are you that story makes sense to me right but it's like meeting it's a flat
2: earther is totally different right i know i know but it's like if people could just admit that their views are incorrect based on evidence you know
3: Right. But, it, but, but this idea of I'm a flat earther, if I could only meet someone who is not a flat earther, I know, then I'd I know. see the light. It's yeah. like, well, what's I going see. wrong here? You know?
2: Yeah. But I think, it. but I think it's a different, yeah. So
3: it's reversed, a lot of times things
2: know? have to do with meeting the person. Yeah. But in this case, I think it's about the stubbornness and inability to admit that you're wrong in the face of evidence. But it was also so interesting the way they, uh, our interviewees just, it just really felt a lot like religion, you know what I mean? That you will do anything to validate your belief,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also that whole conversation about identity and how strongly you tie your identity into that belief. So, because I think, kind of, kind of, sort of, knowing the friend that you're sharing the story about, I doubt that he really identified with not liking homosexuals or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's you know, he's true. a fairly he's open-minded sort of like person. That's what he was
2: told, and you know, he was. You he just was never young had the that's experience. What he was told, and that's what he yeah. thought. Yeah, yeah totally, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. So it's it's different. It's not like he was. Yeah. Um, hardcore about it by any means. But yeah. um, the other thing that really struck me is I am on the side working on a project right now about cults and I've actually been interviewing ex-cult members. Oh, wow. And it has been... Fucking insane! Have I not told you this, Jen? It has been (laughs) insane. I've been specifically this one sex cult. I've been interviewing ex members, and the interviews are fucking wild. I wish I could just air them on Two Girls One Podcast, but they're
3: interviewing sex cultists, quote unquote. (laughs) We hear you. We
2: see you. I'm just having fun on weekends.
1: I won't go in the orgy dome, but I'm interviewing a sex cult.
2: <laughs> you guys know I'm a voyeur, not a participant. <laughs> yeah, that's anyway, true. <laughs> So, But what's crazy is so much of what the uh, documentarians were telling us, verbatim what I'm hearing from ex-cult members.
3: Yeah, I mm-hmm, bet.
2: About, you know, you, you start to have these doubts, but then when you leave, you lose all your friends and this whole community that you've built. And so leaving becomes this huge challenge fairly traumatic ordeal. But yeah, it's so crazy how a lot of what they were saying was mirroring my interviews with ex Seg cult members. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think another Flat interesting others. part of it... Do they get laid? Yeah.
1: <laughs> another interesting part of it was, the, you know, just with the way our brains work, uh, that we're all susceptible to these things.
2: And maybe some I know, people... I kind of are... like, what do I believe that's totally false? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Dog-
3: it's dogma, right? I mean, we, we, ha- we all have our political beliefs. And the minute we read an article that kind of challenges it, I, I find that I do this too. I'm kind of like, mm, I'm not going to really. Read this, or or well, part of the trouble there mm-hmm. is even
2: if you seek out this disconfirmation bias, the internet is so overwhelming. It's like where do you begin? Like which sources mm-hmm. are the reputable sources? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but
3: no one is seeking. No, no yeah. one is even. It's more like if you. Well, come across... actually
2: sometimes I try to watch Fox News, um, for that reason. <laughs> Seriously, but then to like I was, I was, yeah, yeah, I was watching Fox News the other day on the plane. But then I was like, fuck, the people around me just think that I watch Fox News. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Then I got embarrassed and I changed the channel. But sometimes I try to do that. Just don't do it in but public. Yeah, you don't, you don't, yeah, yeah, do it in the <laughs> and, privacy of your own home.
1: Yeah, uh, that and those sex cults. All right, yeah. well, guys, <laughs> definitely <laughs> let us know what you think. Go check out the film, Behind the Curve. It's available on Netflix, on Amazon, anywhere you could find movies, you will find this film. And we want to know what your favorite part of it is. So tweet at us. So I'm at June Bugger.
2: I'm at Allie Gold.
1: Our email is 2g1podcast at gmail.com and you can call us and leave us a real life voicemail. Yes, we love them. That number is 347-871-6548. 7, 7,
0: that
2: number again, 347
0: 871 6 lit. And
1: please join our Discord server, discord.gg slash 2g1p. Pop in, suggest questions for shows, suggest topics, uh, and we'll let you know when shows are going to be happening, who we're interviewing that week. And uh, we can have a little chat about it before we even get into the interview. So so, you know we're happy to include your questions too so discord.gg slash 2g1p. Ali, if they'd like to make a contribution, how can they do that?
2: Please do. You can go to patreon.com slash 2g1p. And at a very low contribution level, we will say your name on air. You know what? You could even write us and choose which voice. Who do you want to have say your name? Do you want Jen's Muppet <laughs> voice? Do you want to be high pitch? <laughs> do you want, oh, do you want Jen's Muppet voice? That's good. That's what I would choose for sure. Do you want
1: that French guy from the Eclipse ad from this
2: show? <laughs> we can get him. <laughs> I'm sticking, <laughs> sticking with Muppet. We, could, could we, we get him. I know, I know, oh, I know okay. him. Yeah.
3: You know it? Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, you, you did close that deal. <laughs> That's yeah, right. I remember that.
2: Yeah. Thanks, sure thing. Thanks
1: for
3: that.
2: Jen, did his penis point towards the sky? <laughs> <laughs> I, I
1: won't I won't say that on air, but um, yes, it did. Okay.
2: All right. We'll see you next <laughs> week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted
0: by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula and broadcast to Sixteen continents on the infinite plane. I'm produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Danny Matias. Production assistance is provided by a secret society of Freemasons, also known as the Podglomerate. This show is a production of the Daily Dot, the number one site for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. <laughs>
7: The Podglamour, a sonic universe.
5: And my penis directed towards the sun.